0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com
1: for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham.
2: Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Wednesday, it is National Letter of Intent Day. We've already done a whole bunch of shows this week. Uh, Monday with coach Harvey Hyde Tuesday, we had a uh, emergency podcast with Chris Trevino and Shotgun Prattling. Then we did a tunnel vision show that we also put up as a podcast Tuesday evening with uh, Gerard Martinez and Shotgun Prattling and myself. And today I had a, a, some, a podcast regularly scheduled that wasn't really anything to do about national signing day. I wanted to talk some NIL stuff, name of vision like this, not NLI national letter of intent. And I was going to talk to former uh, USC great Sua Cravens kind of about what's going on in this program. But there was a whole bunch of stuff going on. So I decided to have those guys on anyway. But we're also this morning at USC for Lincoln Riley's signing day press conference. So I want to talk to you a little bit about all of that and get to our guests in a second. But I just want to let you guys know if you have any questions or comments for the show, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com or call or text us at 424 254 two25 four9. One four one. If you have the Apple podcasting app, please follow us on the Peristyle podcast and leave us a five-star rating and review. We really appreciate that. It helps to grow the show. And if you are on Spotify, you can now leave five-star ratings there as well. So appreciate you doing that. We still have a few hours left of our 60% off annual VIP membership sale. So it goes till the end of uh, National Signing Day, which is Wednesday today. So if you're listening to this and you're not a VIP member over at uscfootball.com, you definitely should jump on and do that. Also wanted to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's, who've been great throughout this whole process. Uh, had a lot of fun talking about Trader Joe's uh, yesterday on the show. And its you know, I was thinking about it. If you're going to have a little special someone over, you know, I've talked about going, doing like a little picnic thing. Trader Joe's is awesome for you can make your own little charcuterie board. You pick up some nice wine or uh, you know beers or whatever. Uh, if you want to do, you'll do little mimosas. Those are fun. Uh, You can pick up some Prosecco and some orange juice, whatever you want. But there's a lot of cool options in the little uh, meat and cheese uh, fridge there where you can pick stuff up, really ready-made things or things that you can make yourself. I like to get the brie, different kind of brie cheeses. I like those soft cheeses, and they have a great array of crackers you can get. Um, Get some of that fig jam. There's all kinds of cool stuff you can get there. And, yeah, have a little spread. It's a great little snack. And, you know, have a glass of wine wherever you want to do. Uh, Trader Joe's has got some really cool stuff for you to be able to do that. And if you know if you need any recommendations, let me know. Send me an email, uh, podcast at podcast.uscfootball.com, and I will do my best to help you out. Okay, so what we're going to have on uh, in store today, two different people we're going to talk to, and I want to give you a little brief synopsis of what I saw over at the uh, press conference from Lincoln Riley early this morning. But we're going to have uh, Peter uh, Schoenthal, and he is the CEO and founder of uh, appliance and they're an entity that specializes in the new field of NIL or name image and likeness so we're going to talk to Peter uh, coming up first and then later on after that we're going to talk to former USC all Pac-12 safety Sua Cravens he also was drafted uh, into the NFL played there for a few years kind of talk about what the sense around campus is regarding USC, Lincoln Riley being hired, the Caleb Williams saga. He told us from the beginning that you got to watch the transfer Portal. He was definitely right about that. We talk about some NFL topics, some hot topics in the NFL. Um, So we're going to talk to Stuart Crams about that. Always outspoken. He's always got some great opinions. It's been a while since we had him on. I think it might have been September. I'm not sure if we had him on after that, Uh, but we did have him on before. Uh, Before we get to all that, I just want to kind of give you An update, Uh, the press conference this morning, you know, fairly short, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 minutes, something like that. We got to hear from Lincoln Riley. He had a lot of, uh, didn't go through every transfer. There weren't any new uh, high school signees to announce, uh, but we did get to hear about some of the transfers um, that came in. Mostly it was focusing on uh, Caleb Williams, his former quarterback uh, from Oklahoma. And he ended up announcing on Tuesday. He uh, Lincoln Riley talked about you know the timing of that a little bit, where he enrolled uh, on class you know late on Friday, which that was the last day reportedly that you could enroll. He's in, in class this week, um, and you know he said about recruiting him. It was very unique. It's not something you expect to go through. Obviously, recruited him to one school, and now you're kind of re-recruiting him to another school. Um, He's uh, and he was a little outspoken, not as much during the press conference, but he was on ESPN earlier about this, uh, the transfer portal stuff that players can leave any day, you know, 365 days a year and all of that. Um, You know, he he talked about when he left Oklahoma, he wasn't allowed to contact Caleb Williams um, because it would be some sort of tampering thing. So he didn't have any communication. Then once he enters, enters the portal, they talk for a while. And uh, he said it was mostly not about football. It was about just life. You know, they were. It was like you, uh, like a long lost friend um, that you didn't get to talk to for a while, and then they got to uh, catch up. As far as fitting in the offense, he says, uh, you know, that he's a very talented player. Um, he says all the tools what you need to be a good player, and he's confident, uh, which is really important. He works really hard at his craft. Um, and he does a great job of bringing people together. All the kind of skills you want. Uh, from your quarterback, he's got a great feel for people and being a leader at a young age. So on and on, uh, Lincoln Riley talked about Caleb Williams and why he'd be a good fit um, you know, in the offense. And as far as like, you know, the timing, um, if there was suspense or you know when with Jackson Dart leaving, he's just you know he just said it's the nature of the beast. Um, you know you, you talk about this internally of what's going on and uh, you know, what you have to do recruit these players but he says he's not gonna you know he he can't project as much as he used to he would try to just you're know, you trying to build the best roster you can but you know that with the transfer portal anyone on your team can leave any day 365 days a year so it's just part of uh, how the crazy business is going so you're just all you can do is try to build the roster the best you can and hope for the best so it seems like um you know that's the direction that the uh, Lincoln Riley wants to go. Uh, he said he didn't want to get in specifics about the timeline of Caleb Williams, but just said, like I said before, he got the school registered late on Friday. And then that was that. And uh, that's where we are right now. Okay. Um, and he said, as far as like changing the, the dynamic of the team with Williams on there, he says, obviously we want to have as many good players as we can. We want to build this roster as much. And Caleb fits the bill. He, you know, improves the quarterback room as soon as he gets in there. And that's something you really want to do. Um, he says, it's going to provide a lot of really positive things, but I think honestly, anybody that we signed, I can say that right about now, about right now. So um, nothing, you know, specific like, Hey, Caleb Williams is going to be the starting quarterback, or whatever. But he did say it's an improvement, uh, you know, in that quarterback room, which is, you know, that's what you want to see. Um, okay. So that's kind of a little overview. We didn't really, last time we got to talk to, uh, Lincoln Riley, a little bit afterwards, after the press conference, he kind of stuck around and shook some people's hands and stuff. um you know, said hello. We didn't really get that opportunity today. So it was kind of a short and sweet thing. We will have more opportunities to talk to assistant coaches uh, on Thursday. So we'll get to meet you know Alex Grinch and all the rest of the assistant coaches and get about fifteen minutes with each one of them. Something we did similar with uh, when Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin, oh my gosh. When uh, Clay Helton brought in the new defensive staff and uh, Sean Snyder, the um, Sean Snyder, the special teams coach, we got to talk kind of a sort of a car wash fashion, get get to hear from all the new assistant coaches. We'll be able to do that again, um, including Dante Williams, who's the one holder on the staff. All right, so let's go sort of update of what happened down at USC this morning and what you can expect uh, going forward going to shift over to talking about name, image, and likeness. So this was uh, an interview I did a little bit earlier. I want to play it for you. Uh, Hopefully you find it informative. We get some details on what goes into all this name, image, and likeness stuff, and we'll uh, jump into that right after this. All right, we have on the line Peter Schoenthal. He is the founder and CEO of Athliance, and it's uh, all about the whole new field of name, image, and likeness, NIL, here in the NCAA world. We talk about it a lot here on the Peristyle Podcast with uh, everything that's a- impacting recruiting. We were at the Lincoln-Riley Press Conference earlier today. He talked about name, image, and likeness having a major impact on the recruiting cycle, and we wanted to talk to Peter all about that and how it's impacting uh college football so peter uh, thanks for joining us man how are you doing
0: yeah thanks for having me um pleasure to be here and i don't think i could join your podcast unless i start off with a fight on
2: oh there you go did you go to usc
0: or i did not but uh i've always loved usc uh i've always enjoyed watching them i'm a florida state fan our colors aren't that different so i like to consider you all the the west coast knolls so we'll, we'll we'll go with that for this
2: Nice. Yeah, I thought you were a Florida guy, so I was like, okay. Um, Yeah, I went to, uh, what is it in the 90s, I guess? I went down to Tallahassee for the first time, and that was definitely a fun environment, especially, you know, Florida State at the time was on top of the college football world. But, you know, seeing uh, the Spear go into the the field, it's on fire and everything, that was pretty cool.
0: Oh, yeah, I I still get up there about once a year, but uh, I try to hit a new stadium, uh, every year, like I went to Iowa for Penn state, Iowa, and the Coliseum is absolutely on my list. And I plan on being out there in the next couple of years to catch a game, especially now that Lincoln looks to have you guys on the right path.
2: Yeah. It looks like it. Um, you know, today's, uh, the, we're recording this on national signing day. USC doesn't really bringing any new high school players, uh, on the traditional signing day, but obviously brought in a whole bunch of, um, transfers. And from the NCAA transfer portals, so we're going to talk about that, but I wanted to, you know, I've listened to you before and just kind of get your sense of the history of name, image, and likeness. I mean, I think it started with that California law that passed, and then Florida actually sped things up. Uh, uh, you know, there was that NCAA Division I Council meeting and the Supreme Court rulings and all that. Um, if I don't know if you want to give like a kind of a brief history to get kind of catch people up to where we are with name, image, and likeness.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So for the longest time, uh, people have always talked about athletes getting compensation one way or another, and what was the right way to do it. And so about, I think, two or three years ago, uh, California was the first to announce that they were going to be allowing their college athletes um, in the state system to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. Now, the funny part about that is they made an announcement, I think, in 2000, end of 2019 or 2020, if I'm not wrong, but they said, we're going to start this in 2024. Like, it it was just like this big announcement, you know, just like what a lot of people do to announce things. So the NCAA NCAA puts out uh, a statement saying, essentially, over our dead bodies. Um, This will never happen. And California smartly said, "Okay, NCAA, we hear you. If you're going to deem all of our kids ineligible that participate in this when we go live, we're going to sue you in federal court. And I bet we can take this all the way to the Supreme Court, and we could argue amateurism versus employment. And the NCAA said, okay, let's do this name, image, and likeness for everyone because they wanted no part of that fight, which is funny about Austin, and we'll get there in a moment. So it looked like August 1st of 2021 is when name, image, and likeness was going to start. That was the rational play because the college calendar is not January 1st to December 31st. It's August 1st to July 31st because kids tend to come on campus and semesters start around the August period. Well, around February of 2021, and I might be getting my dates off by a month here and there, Florida, which is my state, decides just because they want to be different, we're going to be the first to start, and we're starting July 1st of 2021. The problem, oh, I'm sorry, and they announced this in February of 2020, excuse me. So that puts uh, people in a, you know, in a little bit of chaos, because if name, image, and likeness started July 1st, schools were panicking. Because their kids wouldn't be on campus, they'd have no way to educate them on what they can and can't do, and it just made no sense. But at that time, we still all thought, well, this will get kicked back to August. Uh, we should be fine. Uh, Florida will fall in line. Well, then Austin happens, and to me, Austin is actually overblown. And just so everyone knows, Austin is a lawsuit where the NCAA lost um, on additional education educational benefits that schools can pay their athletes. Like laptops and stuff like that, um, and the NCAA was fighting against that. But what came out of that case was a few opinions. the The main opinion that everyone hangs their hat on is Justice Kavanaugh, um, who wrote a minority opinion. So it's not the actual law, right? And he basically
2: said but it was it was a nine hey, zero decision, it. right? Like it was not a decision, it but he gonna... wrote this kind of a offshoot opinion, I guess, about it.
0: Exactly, and he was essentially like. I don't. The NCAA is kind of weird. I uh, I don't know what they mean by this free labor thing and this amateur thing. I I don't know. Um, And so everyone in the media ran with that. I think it's overblown because Neil Gorsuch, the uh, the 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 justice who wrote the majority opinion, which is the law, does state: Listen, there's some funky things here. I'll grant that, but the NCAA absolutely has the right to be a governing body to enforce reasonable rules in order to effectuate. Um, competitive balance. And so that ga- that still gives the NCAA some power here. I, I truly believe that. Um, but the NCAA was trying to formulate rules for name, image, and likeness that would not be overburdening uh, and would be reasonable. And so while schools are waiting for legislation, the NCAA kind of punts on the issue and they say, we're going to give you three rules. Let's start with that. Um, no inducements, which means you can't pay players to come to a school. You can't pay players to stay at a school. You can't pay players to transfer to a school using NIL deals. Um, there's got to be a quid pro quo. I actually hate the phrase NIL. I think it's UNIL. You got to use your name, image, and likeness. If I'm giving you money for an NIL deal, someone's got to do something here. It can't just be paying. And then and then um, pay for play, right? I can't give you an NIL deal for scoring a touchdown. I can't give you money for hitting a home run. And, and then the, the, the last part was, and if you have a state law, follow it. And schools, not only were they in a panic because this was starting July 1st for no reason, um, now three days before, um, while waiting for you know, real legislation, they got none. And so that's how this thing started. This thing started as chaos. This thing started as the Wild West. Um, And what's really interesting about this, I think the NCAA did this on purpose, because back in November of 2020, the NCAA put out legislation for NIL that actually made a lot of sense. It was kind of what these state laws were. It had those three rules. Um, It also outlined vice categories. If you're under 21, no alcohol, no marijuana, no porn, no gambling. Okay, that's straightforward, right? Um, No tobacco. Then. you have to disclose all your opportunities so the schools can review it and make a determination if it fits within their guidelines, um, specifically for IP issues, right and trademarks. At USC, you have you have the, the Trojan uh, logo. The school should have the right to say whether or not they want their logo associated with certain brands if the athletes are going to use it. Yeah. makes total sense. Uh, if you're paying uh, if you're, you, you schools can't pay for platforms that bring deals to kids and student athletes, um, and that's because of Title IX issues If the schools are a part of or paying for software that brings deals. And you're not bringing um, the same deals at the same values for your female athletes as you are your men's athletes. You're opening up to Title IX and then there's other liability issues. And like that was essentially really it. Like it was pretty straightforward. But I think the NCAA wanted this Wild West. I think the NCAA wanted this space to go crazy so you, they could say, see, you need us a little bit. We serve a little bit of a function. You know, we have some functionality here. Um, and also Congress, like maybe you guys should step in because if you're telling us that our power is being restricted, you have to do something for two reasons. One, there isn't a single Division I conference that has every member from the same state, right? So we are talking about a national, a national sport here. Yeah. And then two, international students. 15% of all college athletes are international students. Right now, they cannot participate in name, image, and likeness, and nothing the NCAA does can allow them to, because most international students are here on an F-1 visa, which limits their work scope, which means they can't participate in NIL. And the only way for them to do that is if Congress creates a carve-out, which we've already seen in basketball, baseball, I'm sorry, basketball, soccer, and hockey on the pro level. So that's where we are. That's where things, you know, that was kind of the, the long story on how we got here. And I would say that originally the space was all roses. Everyone loved NIL. But it sounds like the narrative um, and the opinions have changed a little since the early signing period in December, where it started to look like this is all the kids cared about and people were essentially buying players, um, which is the rumor.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot to unpack there, Peter. I didn't realize that about international students, but the F1 visas, I guess that that makes sense. But, I mean, we for – you know, our pair company companies, you know, CBS Sports, and they have a, a, a CBS HQ show that goes on live most of uh, signing day, and they had Jimbo Fisher, the Texas A&M coach, on. I think it was with Josh Pate. And having him address yeah. rumors about, I mean, Texas A&M has the number one recruiting class. There's all these rumors about boosters cre- creating these slush funds and all these guys getting a ton of money. And uh, he was – Jimbo Fisher was obviously not very happy about it. He's like, that's not how this works. <laughs> but, there, I mean – it's like you said, like there's simple rules are in place, but it seems like that's what's happening, right? That they are, Hey, if you come here, you get $2 million or whatever. And that's, it, that's not what the NCAA wanted.
0: Yeah. And this all started the booster involvement actually started in my opinion, when the football team deal at the university of Miami with top team America came out because so what happened at Miami was um, in, in the beginning, I think of the fall or, or around the fall, Um, when football, I think, was still actually going on, or maybe right after the season. Um, Top Team America is a gym that trains a lot of UFC fighters, and they announced a deal where every football player on the University of Miami team would get $500 a month, $6,000 a year, um, and they had to promote uh, the gym. And it was an opt-out, not an opt-in, which means every kid was going to get paid no matter what. And it's not that 500 a month for kids with five, ten, twenty thousand 20,000 followers is a big deal. It's that you had a booster. The guy that owns the gym, Dan Lambert, is a booster. And he did a, a team-wide deal. And I said it at the time. It's not that this deal is that bad. It's that now every booster in the country was licking their chops saying, oh, I can do something like that. And we knew that was going to uh, – was going to get the ball rolling. We knew it was going to be a one-up spinship, which is what college athletics is all about. And now we're seeing things like, hey, you can get $50,000 uh, for going to eat pancakes for cherry Like, it's just, it, it, it's getting wild. Yeah. Um, I own a, a compliance disclosure company. Chaos is great for me. I am not complaining. <laughs> um, but but, but, but the space is wild, and we do need more legislation. We need uniform legislation. Everyone needs to be playing by the same rules, reasonable rules that make this. the. Listen, NIL could be the greatest thing ever, in my opinion. It's a great way to bridge that gap, to allow athletes to profit off of who they are. So they're making a little extra coin in college. So, you know, they're not stressing money. I'm a big believer, whether you're a D3, D2, D1 athlete, I don't care if you have zero followers. If you're willing to put in a little bit of effort, you can make a thousand bucks a month, uh, whether it's cash, goods or, you know, or free meals. Um, so this should be good. But right now it's getting a little crazy. And that's because of the lack of legislation and lack of enforcement is a crime a crime if there's no punishment. And that's kind of what we're seeing now.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, the, when the when the NCAA came out with that, you know, like you said, I think there's like just three basic rules or whatever it was. There wasn't a lot to go off of. I mean, how involved are these different university compliance departments? I know you work with some of them. Uh, do they have their own rules and are, are are they hoping that the NCAA comes and has a few more rules in place so they can have a little bit more direction in all this
0: yeah every school has their own approach and additional rules whether they have state bills on the books um, or they have their own institutional policies um, I do not I, I I I sympathize for compliance officers this is this actually listen if you had proper legislation and you had the proper rules in place that everyone was following. This actually should have been a great thing for compliance officers. Think about it, for 115 years, a compliance officer's job was to say no. NIL allows them to finally say yes, right? This should be a good thing, but it's not. Like if you work at the University of Miami, you can't call your buddy at USC and get guidance because everyone's working with different rules, different structures, nobody can rely on one another. Then it's brand new, and then you can't call the NCAA for any guidance compliance officers are out there working, enforcing uh, their own rules, but they, they also feel alone on an island. And I think that's a tough position to be in.
2: Yeah, I, that's a good way to put it, enforcing their own rules. And they're like questioning. I'm like, oh, they're doing this. Well, why can't we do that? I'm sure there's a lot of that going on. Um, oh, I think compliance is it because, you know, when you see some of that stuff going on, I think compliance officers and
0: schools, you know, a lot of schools don't want to be hands-on and I get it because of, Title IX issues and also potential liability. Like what happens if you help broker a deal, and a kid gets a car, right? And you're a part of that, you connect the parties, you oversee what's going on, and then that athlete gets in a car accident and kills someone. Who do you think they're going to sue? They're going to sue the athlete, but the athlete doesn't have any money and they have insurance, but you're also going to then sue the school. And those are things that no one's talking about. Liability on some of these deals, um, and then Title IX, making sure that women are getting Um, equal representation and and equal deals
2: to the month. Caleb Williams was the number one uh, rated transfer in the NCAA transfer portal. According to 24 seven sports, the quarterback from Oklahoma, he ends up following Lincoln Riley was announced yesterday morning. We actually got to talk to Lincoln Riley earlier today about that. Um, His family seemed involved. It was a, seemed like there was a lot of business decisions, uh, name image and likeness stuff. when you saw his, video get released. I mean, you got Dr. Dre, you had Snoop Dogg, you had Will Ferrell, like all this LA Hollywood glitzy stuff uh, in the video. I don't know if you'd heard anything about that or um, you know, with transfers and and how NIL can be used by schools to try to lure uh, student athletes to come into their programs. Yeah, it's absolutely a thing, but I think it's a bigger issue in the
0: short term than the long term because It's like facilities, right? When the facility race started and the arms race there, there was like eight or nine schools that were ahead of everyone, and they were using that to get kids on campus and and commit. And then everyone's like, "Uh uh-oh, we got to even the playing field. And then next thing you know, you have 50 schools that have, you know, great facilities or have plans to build facilities. I think NIL is going to be the same thing. Once everyone figures this out, as it pertains to the top, you know, 30, 40 schools, I think everyone's going to have basically the same opportunities but we're not going to know that until we get the data, which is going to take 36 to 48 months. Um, because then you can, you know, right now, and it's what, um, it's what Lane Kiffin said, I hope these kids are are cashing in on the checks that were promised by these coaches, right? Right now, you can say, look, well, these are the deals you can get. And we don't know if they're there. In three or four years, you'll be able to actually show data. The kid, like if you come to USC, this is the amount of money our kids have done total in NIL. These are the type of opportunities. And I think it'll be pretty consistent on the board, but it's going to be how you can get creative with an instructor. Let me give you an example. Okay. If I'm US, if I'm USC, LA, the first thing I'm doing when these kids come on campus is I'm having someone come talk to them about how to get their SAG card, and then I'm and then that will allow boosters at USC that are involved in, um, you know, in Hollywood and movie making and TV shows, give them uh, job being extras. You know, you got some big scrapping athletes, you know, if you have a, you know, a war movie going on, they could be extras and you could pay them that way. Like there's certain areas where you can have cool um, advantages that you could work in. And I think L.A. is a good one. You know, take an acting class while you're on campus. We'll get you your SAG card and we can get you some acting deals. It won't be through the school. We're going to be hands off. But if you have that card, I'm sure there's some boosters that would like to make uh, some athletes uh, extras in movies.
2: Yeah, no, that's a big, I actually talked about that recently. I did some extra work a couple months ago and, and, you know, I, like I play beach volleyball. They needed like some volleyball players. So you get like a little bit, if you're, you're, you're like a specialty kind of extra. And if you're like a big football yep. player, you would be more of a specialty kind of extra. So that's uh that's interesting. And that was kind of leads to my next question. NIL deals in Los Angeles are probably gonna be different than NIL deals in Lincoln, Nebraska, um, where like maybe the backup, Guard in Lincoln is known, you know, but you have to be kind of a star in l a maybe. Have you seen different sort of like pitches and deals depending on if you're like in a college town versus like a big metropolitan area?
0: yeah, but but I think they even out like if I'm in l a right um there's different types of opportunities, but I'm also not necessarily the only fish in town, right there's there's proteins, other colleges. so although there's more people and lots of opportunity. Those opportunities can get spread thin. Where if I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska, we're, we're the only show in town. So that's what I mean. It's going to be up to schools to get creative and 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 exploit um, what they do best. But I think that money is actually going to even itself out. I I, I really do. Um, I think you're going to get to a point where everyone's going to have similar data. Everyone's going to have um, people that are getting national stuff and local stuff, um, stuff from you know back home. And I, I, I think it's just going to even out uh, to, to a certain level. And then you have to deal with the taxes. Like maybe you're getting more deals if you're in LA, but you're getting taxed more versus, you know, if you're in, uh, you know, at TCU and there'll, there'll be ways every, listen, every school in recruiting find what they do well and, and they pump it. And then they negatively recruit what others don't do well. And that's, what's going to happen. We, I mean, it's been happening for a hundred years and NIL, I believe, We'll get baselined out and that's what
2: we'll see. Uh, this is Peter Schoenthal. He's the CEO of Athliance. And uh, one last thing from for me, Peter, and I want to, you know, let, let let you know let people know about what Athliance does. But uh, you mentioned 36, 48 months. Um, we kind of get we need to get data, it hasn't been around for a year. Is there some sort of database where you have to put these contracts in that we you know can track them or How does that all work so we can get this data and then figure out, you know, three, four years from now, who's actually making money and how they're doing it?
0: That's a great question. Most schools across the country, if not all, require disclosure. The problem is the athletes aren't disclosing the deals. And there's a lot of reasons for it. You know, some of them just don't want to. We were literally at the NCAA convention speaking with athletes. And my background is I was a criminal defense attorney who coached football. So I wanted kids to be protected, and I didn't want to represent them for free in federal court on tax evasion charges because I was worrying how they were going to pay their taxes. And I was literally at the NCAA convention talking with athletes, and a few of them said, we don't disclose our deals because if we disclose, we have to pay taxes. If we don't disclose, we don't have to pay taxes. And my head nearly blew up. Um, (laughs) And then there's a lot of issues. So Athlian is actually solving that problem. So right now what we do – is we license our software to universities. So when their athletes get opportunities, they can easily input the the terms of the deal into the app so compliance can review it, make sure it's okay. The kids have the information for tax purposes, and the schools have the information for any way they want to use the data, whether it's recruiting or finding other sponsors, right? And so that's been working well. We're in about 35 schools nationwide. But you see all these marketplaces popping up: Icon Source, Dreamfield, Market Price, Mogul, Vantage, where student athletes can go and get deals. And then you're going to see these collectives pop up. You, I think you're going to see school-specific marketplaces, like where boosters create marketplaces where fans, local business boosters, and their athletes can go and broker deals, and sell merch, and do cameo videos. Um, So what we're doing at Alliance is anyone that has a marketplace platform, anyone that has a collective, we are doing automatic and free disclosures to the schools. We will link up to your software. We will disclose the terms to the school. So the school has everything. And then it's up to the school if they want to use our free version or upgrade to the pro version. And the pro version allows you to have all of the data for recruiting and taxes and all that good stuff. Uh, It's like a premium to a premium. Because that's what's needed in the space. We, you know, we speak with a lot of schools where their coaches are getting frustrated. We need the kids to disclose this so we can use it in recruiting because we know our kids are getting deals. So right now, there isn't this automatic database where anything goes. But what we're doing, because we're not in the marketplace side, we are not bringing deals. We are not charging the marketplaces. We are not charging the athletes. We are just hooking up to make sure everything is disclosed. And then we can upsell to the schools because that's what's needed in the space right now. We believe.
2: Yeah, they. I mean, are we going to see stuff where like, oh, this seventeen-year-old kid gets a six-figure deal, spends all the money, and then doesn't put it away for taxes, and then you know gets gets dinged by, you know, Uncle Sam like a year or two later, and uh, they're, they end up getting in trouble with the government.
0: Uh, yeah. I I, I unfortunately do at some point see that being a possibility. Um, it's an absolute fear of mine, and it's why on our app, um, on our app, we also do education. So we also offer education on life skills, such as financial literacy, tax literacy, like, you know, um, business formation, like the importance of filing an LLC so you don't get personally sued. Um, Trademark stuff, like why you should file trademarks on your logos, why you can't violate the school, all that stuff. Because one of the things, and and, and I, I think it's important to say this for athletes, athletes have always been marketable when they leave school, the 99% that aren't going pro. right? Think about it. Elite uh, work ethic skills. Um, work well with others. Uh, time management. Um, they have what you want as an employer, but they never have the experience, right? Yeah. Well, now if you use NIL the right way, you can go into a job interview and say, listen, don't hire that 35-year-old lazy person, right? That's been doing the same shit forever. Excuse my language. <laughs> um, and I might not have the employment experience, but I filed taxes. I formed an LLC. I've negotiated contracts. I've built my brand plus all those elite skills. On the person you want. I think it makes it more marketable. I think it prepares them more for the real world. And that's the approach school should be taking. How can we use NIL to further educate and better our athletes, whether or not they go pro? Um, and there's fun ways you can do that. And there's fun ways you can build that into your program.
2: Peter Show, founder and CEO of Alliance, uh, excuse me. Uh, but I really appreciate the uh, education on NIL. We, he- we hear about a lot and uh, wanted to get an expert on to talk about. So I appreciate you coming on. progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law all right we are joined by former usc all pack 12 safety Sua cravens he's been on the show before and we welcome him back he does work for usc's radio you get to hear him after games on uh, the usc radio network and talking about the usc trojans and we love to talk to Sua, get his opinions doesn't know uh, pull any punches when he's talking about whatever he's talking about so <laughs> Sua, thanks for coming on man how are you
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me. Good to be back.
2: Sure. Where could uh, people find you on social media? By the way, where where do you like to go the uh, best?
1: Just all my my Instagram and Twitter is all under the same tag. It's I am Susie. I a m m Susie, and you know, just tune in. I mean, actually, if you want more sports, I'd say stay on Twitter. If you want more of the sports side,
2: but if you want to see your cute kids, then we could go on the Instagram side. Yeah, exactly, exactly. uh before we go i wanted to congratulate you on graduating you're a usc graduate now since the last time we talked
1: yeah i actually was told to change my uh my bio from alumni to alumnus i don't know if i'm saying that right but i I guess that means i had it plural but now it's singular so yeah it's excited i'm glad that i finally got that done it's a big achievement a promise i made to my mom so now i'm glad that. Now i appreciate that
2: yeah, I remember you You said you promised your mom. Um, did you have a lot left, or like how much did you have to do?
1: So, I wouldn't have had a lot left if I didn't switch majors. I was originally a business major, then I switched to public policy, and then I ended up finishing a sociology major.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think we talked to you previewing the San Jose State game. Uh, you came on with me and Keely on Tunnel Vision. Um, but you know, we got to hear you doing, you know, answering calls and doing some of the radio broadcast stuff. How was that experience like going from, you know, the, you know, you were the player and now you're like kind of talking about what was going on in the field.
1: It was, it was, it was crazy just to feel, you know, be on that other side of the spectrum. Like I was so nervous before the first show. Cause I, you know, I'd never, you know, just basically spoke about ball in front of cameras and, or, and people watching. So I was a little nervous, but when we got going and as the season progressed, I just kind of fell into a niche and got comfortable and seems like it's been home ever since. So, you know, I was a very exciting an opportunity. And, you know, thanks to the guys like Gavin Morris, you know, he he's really one of the guys who really helped me, you know, get that broadcasting position. So, you know, it's been a blessing ever since. And I've had a lot of opportunities uh, come my way ever since doing the show last year.
2: What was it like kind of being around the program last year? I mean, one of the, I mean, we've seen crazy USC teams. You were part of crazy USC teams. I've covered crazy USC teams, but to have the head coach fired two weeks into the season and then the whole big Lincoln Riley thing happened at the end. I mean, it just seemed like it was a very strange year. I don't, I don't know what you thought about being around the program.
1: Well, it felt familiar like uh, it was crazy <laughs> but it's sad to say like yeah it felt familiar like my freshman year we fired Kiffin I think three games into the season so like there wasn't anything that I hadn't ever seen before so it was kind of like oh, SC being SC, and at least this is the SC that I knew when I was here and uh, a lot of the guys it kind of seemed like they handled it the the same way it's kind of you know if you're diehard or you were committed to the university you just kind of have to tough it out and roll with the punches and then if you weren't, you know, we saw what the transfer portal did. So, yeah, it was it was it was an up and down year. I, I, I definitely didn't expect all that to transpire, but it did, and le- it kind of led to you know greener greener pastures on the other side.
2: Yeah, and the uh, the coaching search lasted quite a while, like three months. Um, a lot of former players, like yourself, would be active on social media. I, mean, you know, I talked to Matt Liner about it, different guys that were discussing, you know, were you guys part of some panel to to, to pick who the next head coach would be? Like, what kind of was that like, and how shocked were you when it came out that it was Lincoln Riley?
0: I think
1: that's kind of why it took so long, because I think the administration at USC knew it couldn't be, you know, another kind of no-name hire or or, uh, or non-impressive. It needed to be a big splash. It needed to be something that was going to get people excited and looking forward to the next season. And I think they did a great job taking their time. They didn't, they didn't, you know, settle. They didn't, (laughs) they didn't, uh, you know, uh, wait and and see who was available. They went out and and took what they wanted. And it it was one of the biggest hires we've had probably since Pete Carroll. So, you know, I was, I was like momentum shifting. It seems like the the culture and energy up on campus. I know I, I was finishing up my last maybe month of school and when, the uh, the rumors of Lincoln Riley coming, uh, it was like it was a buzz created before he even got there. So it, it's definitely been a completely different Los Angeles ever since uh, he got the now or he gave USC the nod.
2: Yeah, the the buzz, you can almost feel it. I was down earlier today and got to hear Lincoln Riley speak and uh, about uh, signing day. No new high school players today, but there were, um, you know, obviously you talked about a lot of the transfers. We'll talk about Caleb Williams in a minute, but that national buzz, I mean, you've been in those NFL locker rooms. I'm sh- you know you if there's someone next to you that in the lock next to you that goes to UCLA or Oregon or something, you want to have something to, to back it up. It seems like all those USC players in the NFL now maybe have a little bit more to back it up with, with Lincoln Riley running the show.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just a different energy that's there and you know, that we haven't felt a buzz like that probably since the P Carroll hire. So you know getting a guy like that, especially at the time, I was, almost felt like a feels like a crisis almost yeah, for USC football, but seeing a guy like that in the time of need or desperation was
2: was huge. um I don't know if you've been around the program in the last couple of months since he's been hired and what the what what do you if you've been around what you felt like uh, campus was like uh, with with him there and this whole new kind of culture, football culture he's trying to uh, install there at USc,
1: yeah, I mean, I've been on campus a few times since the hire. I actually got to do the the first press conference with him, you know, to, to introduce him to the school. And it's just the buzz up there is completely different versus when, you know, I was going there in early August and September. It's just, it seems like the students are walking faster. the Birds are chirping a little bit louder. It just just seems like, and all the stars are finally aligning. And, And not to say that this means, you know, this hire is going to, you know, boost us to national championship, uh, Rank next year, but I think that it's a step in the right direction to not only change next year's season, but to change the outlook of USC football going forward.
2: I know you've uh, you know if people follow you on Twitter or Instagram, the big buzz over the last I guess it's a month now was when Caleb Williams entered the NCAA transfer portal, the former Oklahoma <laughs> I told you to watch quarterback the
1: portal. I told you. What'd you say? I said I told you to watch the portal.
2: Yeah. So is that that's where you were talking about Caleb Williams?
1: I told you, I told you. Well, I photo maybe two or three months before people even considered Caleb Williams.
2: Yeah. What, what did you think about that whole saga? Uh, what was going on there?
1: Well, you know, I I'm not gonna lie. I wasn't a fan of you know the the
2: dragging it out. You know, I
1: was I I was kind of the recruit where I knew where I wanted to go and I didn't care for the games or like you know being chased or being you know woed into or wooed into. Uh, coming to a school like once my mind was made up, I would say it, and then that was that. So you know, that the, way, the waiting game kind of was like made me a little antsy. I'm sure it made every USC fan antsy, but you know, I knew once that we got Lincoln Riley, that uh, and with the new transfer portal rules, we were going to get a lot of players from Oklahoma. I, I I didn't think we'd get the the high caliber guys that we got, but I knew uh, maybe. We were going to get a handful, but Lincoln Riley's just taking full advantage of the portal and the new rules.
2: Yeah, it's, I think he kind of had to. When we got to talk to him this morning, it was more about, he made it sound like this was more of an offshoot year. It would be a more unique year because you just took over, and ideally you'd like to get more high school players, but I think the transfer portal is here to stay. We're going to we're gonna see a lot of stuff like this. Maybe not you know, full, where you're getting more players out of the portal than you do out of high school at a place like USC, but... I think for this this year, they kind of needed to do that.
1: Yeah, I and mean, just because we need guys that are ready now. You know, we need guys that are going to come in and they've played uh, they've played D1 level football. They have their man's body. They've been through a year or two of the weight program and all they need to really learn is the, the new um, the offensive and defensive schemes before they can go out there and produce. Like, that's kind of what SE needs right now. So I have no problem with, the transfer portal or even JUCO guys coming in because, again, we need we need to be good now. Like, we need to get the ball going. Like, I, we don't need to be undefeated, but we need to be close to double-digit wins, not 10 wins, 11 wins. So, you know, I, I'm not opposed to uh, the transfer portal at all. And um, to be honest, due to the new rules, coaches are going to have to recruit their recruiting classes every single year now. Like, just because you bring in a recruiting class – Every one of those guys can leave the next year yeah. if they don't like what's going on, or if you, you know, if they didn't get the playing time they thought they'd get, or if it's like a situation they didn't think it'd be. Like guys will leave, so even if signing top recruiting classes now doesn't even really matter because it's kind of a target on your back. Where if you sign a top ten recruiting class and you have three corners in that class, and two of them play, and one gets redshirted, and that one that got redshirted was a top one fifty player, most likely he's gonna leave.
2: Yeah. So. That's- that's a really good point. You got to. I, I think Lincoln Riley talked about that. Just you have to constantly recruit your players. They can leave 365 days a year. Players can leave, so you have to recruit the guys that are already on your squad.
1: Yeah, so not set in stone. So, like, if I'm Lincoln Riley or anybody on that staff, or if I'm in the recruiting office, like, yeah, I'm going to obviously put my best effort towards high school guys in the incoming class in the future. But like, do does commitment even mean anything at this point? Like, does a commitment really mean? anything if a guy can leave nine months later after signing like it, so it looks nice it, it's something to brag about like hey this guy's coming here but now are you gonna recruit him for the next three years four years what? and try to develop guys and develop a scheme and build a rapport as a team like there's a lot of different outside factors that come into this that I think it has made coaching a lot more difficult to do uh, uh, than it's been in recent years
2: you talked about the the man's bodies, where you're bringing in someone from the portal, someone that's been maybe three years in a college uh, weightlifting program and strength and conditioning program. When well, you talk about a guy like someone like yourself that was a you know four or five star guy coming out of high school, but you're still young, right? I mean, it's, how do you compare that to some player that's been at Central Michigan and is a redshirt senior and has had you know maybe he was only a three star coming out of high school, but he's completely changed himself and he's, you know, if, if he was re-ranked, he would be, you know, a blue chip kind of guy. I mean, I'm sure you see that a lot.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can't really compare him because you're comparing basically a teenager to a grown man. Like when I got to SC, there were Juco guys on the team that were 24, 25 years old. Like I just turned 26 and I've been out of the NFL for a little while now. (laughs) So it's like, you know, you can't really compare that. Like a man's body is much more developed. It's, it can, you know, it can do things that a teenage body might not be able to do. So if you miss out on a five-star high schooler, but you get a three-star or four-star transfer that's in his third year or fourth year, you're basically getting a five-star recruit. You just only have them for so long. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, it doesn't really, recruiting classes don't really matter anymore. Like, because your guys can get stolen, your guys can leave. It doesn't matter. Building depth. And having all Americans on the bench will be a thing of the past. Like those teams where Pete Carroll had, you know, a backfield of Joe McKnight, C.J. Gable, you know, Allen Bradford, and and Moody are on the bench. Like two of those guys, or three of those guys, were all Americans that didn't see the field until Joe McKnight left. So it's like, get it out. Days of that aren't going to be relevant anymore. You're not going to have a team where. Your, your backup corner or your third corner can start somewhere else. No, you're going to have probably two bona fide starters and then hopefully a preferred walk-on that just stays at your school.
2: What are your uh, expectations for this team, seeing what Lincoln Riley has been able to do, turning over the roster maybe faster than any of us thought? Is it going to be enough to be able to win the Pac-12? Or wh- where do you think this team can, can do in 2022?
1: I definitely think that they have no excuse to – not compete for the South. Like, if they're not the easily the number one team in the South or number two team in the South competing towards the end of the season to go to the Rose Bowl, like I think that's a, that's a failure of the season because we have no excuse. I mean, the the Pac-12 is wide open. We don't play Oregon in the regular season this year. I, lo- I mean, the schedule looks relatively, not nah, I wouldn't say easy, but easier than what it's been in the past. I mean, we, we obviously have Stanford early and playing Utah is always a tough game. But with what Lincoln Riley brings and that play calling and with all these different players coming in, I think USC has better odds than they've ever had in the last three years of winning the South. So my focus would only be winning the South, competing to get to that Pac-12 championship, and then we'll see what happens from there. I'm not going to put the expectation of national championship or bust because then you're just creating uh, an expectation that's unrealistic and then you'll never be satisfied with all the great things that Lincoln Riley's doing right now.
2: Um, I want to look get a couple more things to let you go. The On the defensive side of the ball, Alex Grinch comes in. He was up, he did you know did good work at Washington State and Ohio State before yep. joining Lincoln Riley. He also coaches the safeties, so uh, something yep. you're familiar with. Any thoughts on Alex Grinch and his defense?
1: I mean, he's been. I think he's runner-up for coach of the year or defensive coach of the year, maybe two or three times. He's a he has a DB back uh, background, and uh, that he this is a guy that allows his playmakers to make plays. And he puts guys not necessarily he doesn't force guys into the mold of what he thinks that they should do. He puts them on the field of what they he believes that they're best at. And the best example I can use is when he had I think his name's Bradley Hiles from. I think he went to Calabasas High School, then he transferred to UW after he was at Oklahoma. But he's about, like, 5'7", I think, 5'7", maybe 195 pounds, 5'8", 195 pounds, and he was playing outside backer for the Sooners and was thriving in this position where he's, he can cover open space and he can play out in open space, tackle, and, you know, pursue the ball. And if you ask anybody else in a traditional defense, that guy's never going to be in the box. He's just too small what a guy with a like with Coach Grinch. He, he doesn't care about what you look like or, you know, doesn't care what he wants you to do. He's going to put you in a position to succeed at what you're best at. And I think USC has a bunch of athletes on defense that not, don't necessarily know what their position is. And I think Coach Grinch, he actually would rather have that than guys that think that they know what they want to play. I think he's going to take this spring to find out their talents, what they're what they're best at, what they struggle at, and then develop his defense based on that. We might see... Two or three different rotations throughout each game.
2: Yeah, that was a Bookie Radley Hiles, I think. I remember covering him. Yeah, yeah. There you go. In high school, yeah. A couple of quick things, NFL wise, before we let you go. Unless you had anything else you want to talk about, but you were drafted by the then Washington Redskins. They became the Washington Football Team. They are now the Washington Commanders. Any thoughts on that?
1: Trash. Absolute (laughs) trash. Like that sounds like a team on NFL Blitz that just got created by. It doesn't even make sense. Like they could have been. They could have been, there were so many other fresh names they could have used. Like, I love Red Wolves. Did you see the logo they used for the Red Wolves?
2: No, I didn't see that one.
1: Dude, that Red Wolves with the logo, they had like the capital and the W with the Wolves to outline the W. Like, that would have been so dope. They could have had a howl on each third down. But instead, they chose the dang commanders. Like, who's in charge over there, man? I can't. (laughs) It's it's yeah it's you know it, it just doesn't get any better for Washington. It's just that's what you expect at this point from them.
2: I I I like the red, like red being incorporated in it because I do like the traditional stuff. Uh You don't want to be offensive, but if it's like red wolves, like and that's not offensive. I I like that that there's sort of maybe a little homage to the last name, but you kind of keep some a little continuity, I guess.
1: I mean, I, they could have went red hogs. They could have did something like you know, the commanders. Like I don't I don't <laughs> I don't know what that is, and I don't. They dropped the ball on
2: that one, yeah, in my I saw, opinion. I saw a lot of Cobra Commander like gifts or whatever going around, like from GI Joke days. You know, that's uh, that was kind of yeah, funny.
1: Like, I'd rather them remain the football team over the commanders, if I'm being honest with you.
2: Yeah, and then one last thing. Um, there's, I, I think you were tweeting about this a little bit. The Brian Flores uh, NFL lawsuit. You know, the former uh, Washington, I mean not Washington, Miami Dolphins head coach, and some of the text messages were coming around. Any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for Bill Belichick because he's like a, he's an innocent bystander caught in this. And, like, this is, like, the one blemish he has on his record regarding, like, being a coach and the ins and outs of that brotherhood that they have in the NFL. But I'm glad that Coach Force is doing this. Like, the NFL, there's a lot of things about the Shield that people, I don't know if they just refuse to believe it or they don't want to believe it or they just can't fathom it being true. But the NFL hides so much stuff that, athletes you know guys that have been there and 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 playing it and currently playing or are out the league and retired like we know how dirty it gets and you know the the obstacles that you have to face and and the different nonsense and 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 bs that they're going to throw at you that that everybody else on the outside doesn't see and I'm glad that coach Flores is bringing it to light and I hope that anybody else that has evidence and and, and has a story to tell that has been through something similar comes out and steps forward because the more people that ask this and start speaking their truth and can provide evidence that the NFL is always going to deny, even if they, they're they caught right-handed, they're always going to deny it. If more people can come forward and talk about that, it's going to shine a light that's going to force the NFL, even if they don't want to, to, to at least acknowledge what's being said and to at least try to change their ways I don't think it'll ever change. I think this is a fraternity that has an agreement and there's nothing going to, you know, change their ways uh, entirely, but to at least make them own what they're doing. That's the first step. I think coach four is the first person to put his career on the line for something he stands for, which I know a lot of guys may be too afraid to do because they don't have the finances to do that. You know, you can't just sacrifice your dreams sometimes and, Although I understand it, I don't agree with it. And I feel like if something's wrong, you should stand for what you believe in. Or you don't really stand for anything.
2: Yeah, Mike Tomlin, the only African American head coach in the NFL, despite you know like seventy percent of the league players being African American, and it seemed like Flores was going to get a job. So the, it's not like he was going to be out. Like it seemed like someone they were going to hire him, and he's he's taking it. You know, I think it might be tougher now because he's speaking out this way, but he has oh, more he wins than yeah, so. like I think three or four of the new coaches combined already he has more wins under in his career so it's just a weird situation
1: i mean yeah i mean we we see it it's not something we can just ignore like we it's blatant like Vic Fangio he won seven games or eight games a year at the Broncos and was there for 3 years but, uh Joe Judge i think he won like combined maybe five games in two years that he was there uh, I mean, and, it, and it's not just Brian Flores who, who's getting the short end of the stick. If you talk, if you look at uh, Coach Caldwell when he was with the Lions, like he took that team to the playoffs and took them to winning seasons that they hadn't seen, and then he gets the boot out of nowhere. And I don't think he's gotten a, a head coaching job since. So it's like it, 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 we're not making it up. Like uh, these guys aren't making it up. We're, it's not trying to play victim. Like it's, it's very blatant, if you want to acknowledge. It's very blatant to see the process of, black NFL coaches have to be perfect and everybody else doesn't and that's the exact problem and I feel like you know the people that are fanatics of football in the NFL don't want to see that
2: Sue Cravens always great talking to you uh the former USC All-American Safety or All-Pac-12 Safety and uh former NFL player and uh now analyst I don't know if you got anything else on your plate coming up, Sue, but we're, we definitely look forward to seeing you or hearing you uh, this football season.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to it. Um, don't know what's ahead of me either, but hey, we'll, we'll see how the the cards fall. Uh, blessed and happy. I'm glad that uh, SE gave me the opportunity to do this broadcast, I'm glad you guys give me the opportunity to come on the show. I'm always down to talk SE football.
2: Well, I appreciate it. Thanks again for uh, coming on, and uh, again, congratulations on uh, graduating. That's awesome.
1: Yes, sir. I appreciate that. Fidel. on.
2: All right. That's our show for today. Thanks to Sue, Thanks to Peter. Talking about name, image, and likeness, and, of course, the USC Trojans. And uh, thanks to all of you out there in the Peristyle Podcast world for listening to our little show. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will talk to you next time.